0: Štan an indó askeige e
1: Táim imíchttaí e dhéhsachcht ar end of chacht a máchan seo gur féidir é chor iúigh ceart lena win
0: féin. Skilti fis turmi Tá sé ara igornamion fracht Find us on all the usual podcast platforms.
2: This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right, that priest said I have any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found that Miriam Machina was dead. How likely
1: is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both
2: sides of the border, and as well as at the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. This is an
0: Irish Independent podcast. But to come back in the way they did, I mean, there is belief there. I mean, Ulster had a bit of a collapse, but... Does kind of build itself up nicely for a big one this weekend. I think they'll have got just enough of a shock from that Ulster first half to maybe galvanize them and, and, and pull out a big performance away from home. Tough place to go. Who
2: uh, would have thought three Leinster producers <laughs> of the champions. Oh, so you were Lencer too, is this? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. At least
0: we have you on, on the record there.
2: As long as we get like a Lencer, Larashel, Leinster Sarson's final and we get that week of the narrative yeah, you know, yeah, building yeah. up to it, that, that's what I want most of all. The Champions Cup kick-off, the end of Eddie Jones in England and the return of Warren Gatland to Wales are all up for discussion on tonight's episode of the Left Wing Podcast. I'm Will Slattery and I'm delighted to welcome Luke Fitzgerald and Keane Tracy back to the studio. It's been three long years, lads, but here we are. Luke, how are you? Great to see you, Will. I know. <laughs> yeah, on? you look better in the flesh. Um, you, you. All these yeah. studio lights. Yeah, yeah,
0: No, it is great. I know, look, it is great to be back. I think... Um, Nothing like recording uh, live. I think we've probably got used to the, doing the Zoom calls and all that kind of stuff in work, and then uh, you know, and obviously in the podcast as well. So nice to see you guys in person and thrash a few
2: topics out. And we've plenty to it. of topics to thrash. Keen of all the weeks to kind of come back in between <laughs> the Champions Cup kicking off of the weekend. As I mentioned, you know, we have Leinster Racing, Munster to lose two blockbusters, but also the the chaos of international rugby, which we might start there and then move on to our preview. Eddie Jones is gone. Warren Gatland is back in. You know which of those two teams do you think feel a bit better about themselves today if, if you had to pick one of them um I'd imagine Wales
1: um they've got the man who they wanted to get in he's got a proven track record there's probably an element of safety within it, like Gatlin knows the story whereas you know it looks like Steve Borthwick will be announced probably next week by the sounds of it as the new England head coach, and that to me is a, is a risk, albeit a calculated one he's never been an international head coach um I know Leicester won the the premiership last season, but I was over at Welford Road for the quarter final when Leinster gave them a good doing over and I just wasn't impressed with them at all. Um, I don't think the rugby that Leicester play is all that attractive and a big complaint from the England fans who ended up booing them off the pitch last month against South Africa was that the side of rugby just hasn't been good. So I just don't think it's a very inspiring um, appointment if that's what it proves to be. Whereas if you compare it with Wales, You probably know what you're going to get with Gatland But I think the big thing about Gatland coming back in Is has he moved with the times Because there's been a lot of kind of romanticism I think around Gatland coming back But I think people have forgotten that He got a lot of stick from Welsh fans as well For the type of rugby that he was playing Warren Ball And particularly in the Lions tour last year Which was absolutely dour So I think the game has moved on And if Warren Gatland I think wants to make it a success in a short period of time He's probably going to have to show that he's moved on as well
2: I suppose when you lose to Georgia and Italy at home In the same year And you've won 13 of your 34 tests underway in Pivac Welsh fans probably won't be that picky and choosy about how they're playing if he does get that bounce that we kind of a lot of us think he might be able to get out of them Yeah look to be honest with you in terms of the Gatlin appointment the most surprising thing to me was the the length
0: and the optionality Mm. in the contract I think given his Lions history I think he's actually well positioned uh, to coach a team over this kind of time period he is as you say familiar with the personnel there he's familiar with the setup. I think he'll be able to get everyone moving in the right direction which has I think always been probably his biggest strength and look in terms of the Warren ball you know I, I think you know a bit of simplicity at this point can really help a team that's really struggling for form uh, and down on confidence i think so they're, they're, you know there's value in that um you know wales probably more so than england i think i touch on them in a second I think they they have the ability to play a bit more of an open game plan. I think it suits them a bit. So he may he might have to do that. He might have to, have to, you know, bring in you know a, a backs coach that really suits that type of game plan, or, or an attack coach that probably nowadays is what you'd have um, in that situation. So um, that's an interesting one. And I think yeah, he might have to do a little bit of maneuvering away from that warm ball. But I think he should still stick to his big pillars. I think that'll suit this time frame and what he has to turn around in terms of where this Welsh team is at, at the moment. In terms of England. I think Borthwick suits them perfectly. I don't think they have to play a good brand of rugby. I think England will be, I think they'll be happy if they get the wins. I think they will. I think the, the English fans um, will come around to that. And I've always felt, and you've heard me talking about this quite a bit, Will, and Keane as well, um I think England always play their best rugby around a structured game plan. And he's really detailed on that line out. I think if they get their scrum right, they've, they've got big personnel. They've got lots of bodies. Uh, you know, they've got a, usually a really good squad to pick from. So they've got a strong bench, uh, usually a strong squad going to a World Cup. They're on the good side of the draw. Um, I think they probably need to sort out that 10, 12, 13 combination, get some certainty around that. Um, I think Farrell is the guy there because I do believe that he. if you bring him and Slade into that front three, Maybe not Slay, but there are other personnel. I think Tulagi, provided he's fit, obviously he wasn't great in November, but if he's fit, um, you know, I think whoever they have there, Farrell's at 10, I think they become really, really strong defensively. No one wants to hear that in terms of the style of rugby, but if I was trying to be successful with England, that's what I'd be building it on. Strong set piece, real good organisation, and a big, big defensive effort. And I think what happens then is that it opens up teams from that pressure. So you build scoreboard pressure you build set piece pressure you build territorial pressure and then I think the, the scoreboard stuff comes and the fancy rugby comes where you've got your wingers running in tries from 40-50 from so I think that's how England should play and I think that's probably what Borthwick will do interesting to see if that's what transpires I
1: wouldn't be surprised if they end up if he ends up moving Owen Farrell back to 10 because if you look at the Leicester situation out half like they moved George Ford on at the end of the season and brought in Andre Pollard who's much more of a you know big defender kicking well, honest, I don't think they
2: moved him on I think they would have preferred was, to keep yeah. him yeah, yeah, if they could but, have, like,
1: but Andre Pollard has come in now and I know he hasn't played but he's a very different type of out half so I mean one of the biggest you'd have to say flaws from Eddie Jones' tenure was he stuck with that 10, 12, 13. It didn't work, and Marcus Smith just hasn't been able to translate his club form into international form, so... It's if a very d- different game isn't well, it, it? Like I think is, like is. It, he
0: plays like I think a lot of what you're judged on sometimes as an English player is the Premiership and I think if we look at how those teams over the last couple of years Bar Saracens before they went down how they performed against some of our of the URC teams how they performed against some of the French teams at the, at the top level the
1: quarter final that I mentioned like that's they a blew good them away. example. Absolutely blue. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so
0: like I'm not sure it's mm. actually a good indicator of how good mm. a player or how suited you are to international well, rugby. I
2: do think if you're looking at the style of playing the premiership and seeing what's more kind of replicable at international level. Is it Quinns and Marcus Smith or is it that Leicester style where they kick a lot? Their defence under Kevin Sinfield has been really, really strong. I think he'd be tailor-made to bring into that international setup one of those rugby league figures that have been very galvanising in the past. I think that's definitely something you can transport in and you touched on it there with Steve Borthwick, his detail at the set piece. I think that's more of a road Mm -hmm. that'll be successful, certainly in only having one Six Nations campaign to do it.
0: Well, that's what I think. I I, I do completely get the Borthwick point around that that kind of maybe more dour rugby. And perhaps, you know, the England supporters are probably you know what they were looking at wasn't a good product and they weren't getting the results alongside I think if you get the results I think that usually quiets that down and I also feel like if you go back to that I think it suits England's traits if you think of South Africa and South Africa are always really good in my mind and they don't really go or stretch too far away from what their real traditional strengths are and what when you look at the personnel that they have and England are similar enough in terms of what they have in terms of the, the amount of people that play the size of people that play and their strengths that you can always go to and I always think English people are good when they're organised and you know kind of suits them. And I think that's uh I think going towards that game plan, going towards a Borthwick I think that's where he'll find success, and I believe that that's the route that they should take. And I think the England supporters will roll in behind him once he gets a few results. So that's really important. They haven't had results in quite a while, guys. Uh, he,
1: he's very, he's very much from the Eddie Jones school, though. Like, I mean, the school of thought. Like, you go back to his first uh, coaching gig was with Japan when Eddie Jones was still there. Uh, Eddie Jones brought him into the English setup, so he's very much kind of been learning under Eddie Jones. So that's why I just think it's it's a bit strange that like England are moving away from a guy who does have a track record of doing well at World Cups when you're only. Less than a year out Going for a guy Who doesn't have A track record As a head coach In international rugby When he could look To play in a similar way To Eddie Jones So I think it's a bit Of a calculated risk well, Hopefully <laughs> the people
2: skills Are a little different <laughs> That's maybe one thing He says Well we might, might leave a, that. It's,
1: it's, a bad, it's a bad move For us in the media But at least Warren Gatland Has kind of come back in Because if you're losing Eddie Jones From those Six Nations week You need someone To balance you're it, it out it Because goal. you're you not Going to get it From C4. He's the counterbalance to, <laughs> Just
2: to your point About the England fans Wanting to see that Style of play Because I think It was a fair question It's one that People in Ireland were asking as well when they were watching Leinster under Stuart Lancaster saying, why can't Ireland play like this? And eventually they, they kind of got that marriage right whereas at the moment I think England are still... Because it's it's a reasonable thing to, an English fan to watch it on a Saturday and see them playing so well and say, well, is, is, can that be transported in now? At the moment it doesn't look like it can be but I think it's a reasonable thing for supporters to, to wonder. You well, know? I think
0: you'll always want it. Yeah. I, I always think... I, I, like. in in international rugby New Zealand New Zealand are probably the outliers in that they usually just and probably it used to be Australia but for I think New Zealand are a good case in point That I think they probably only really know one way to play Um, you know and that's just how they play and they kind of generally play an expansive game plan Um, and it's just I think it's almost like a culture thing for them but I don't think um, you know I don't remember any England team being really successful without having a really strong basis and really strong pillars those defensive you know set piece etc and 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 I think what, uh, like, the good rugby that I remember English teams playing were always built on those foundations anyway. So you can put pressure on teams. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of international rugby happens, like, the good tries happen off kind of pressure, you know. And I think you can build it by being really good at those things. And I think they're, you know, you you need to figure out what you're good at. And I probably repeat myself a bit here, but I think that's what Borthwick will do. I think, yes, Eddie Jones... You know, he'll have learned things off him. But what Bortwick will also be able to do is hang on to his staff, I think. like That's been a really big issue for, for, for Eddie Jones. We're talking about this England team and we're saying, well, do we know what way they're playing? Or do they know what way they're playing? Because it doesn't really look like they have a clear path or a clear idea about what the coach wants for them or certainly they're not executing something that's very clear-cut on the pitch. Uh, And I think uh, a lot of that has to do with the all-field stuff where, you know, he just hasn't been able... Like, if you have different voices saying different things to you, like, there's no way the message that you're getting from the coaches is going to be the same. So that's been a big problem for them too. So something as simple as that might unlock all this potential across the channel from us in in in, in England, and I think um, we might be surprised by how quickly they turn it around. I, I'd be surprised. I would. I wouldn't be surprised to see them being really really competitive in the Six Nations.
2: Actually, and one of the person they can bring in from Leicester is Alan Waters. You know, he was involved mm, yeah. with South Africa. He's gone to to Leicester, I think, with Steve Borthwick as well. And he's already on the record saying he'd love to you know go back to international rugby. He'd be maybe someone who obviously has an insight from his time in South Africa about that short turnaround and, and getting teams ready quite quickly on a physical side maybe if not the, the rugby side just on Warren Gatland keen you know him going back into a job he had so much success for the legacy you know I know he was already asked about this whether he's putting that on the line he said yeah he is but that's part of the challenge and part of the excitement it, it is interesting that he'd be so willing to go back on a long-term deal to something he did for already for 12 years I'm, I'm sure the money is good I know his career maybe didn't take off in New Zealand the way he would hoped but it's still an interesting decision from that point of view I think
1: yeah there's a lot in that I think you know he in an ideal world would have loved to crack at the all-blacks job but that's just not going to happen now um, when he went back to the Chiefs he wasn't all that successful and I'd say there's a bit of comfort in going back to a place where generally you had success and you were really liked and I'm sure the, the paycheck uh, helps as well but like he's going back and he doesn't have a Sean Edwards now with him this time who was such a massive part of that, uh, the success that he had because he's obviously just signed a new contract and yeah like, it is interesting to to see his him talking about his legacy but Luke kind of hit the nail on the head I think earlier I think everyone thought when they heard, you know, it looked like Gatlin was going to come back that it was going to be for a year. It was going to be real paper and over the cracks. But the key kind of line in the press release yesterday for me was I think they mentioned about a root and branch review that Warren Gatlin would be involved because I think the, the man on the street would tell you that Welsh rugby has problems from the top down and by getting Warren Gatlin back isn't going to fix all them. But what it will do is if he's involved in the review, because when Warren Gatlin was in charge of Wales already, he would have butted heads with the, with the Welsh Union. So if they get him back and if he's able to go okay, these are the changes we need to make. It, almost in a director of rugby type role, I think like Rassi Erasmus did. And it'll be interesting to see how his role maybe develops over the next couple of years like there's going to be no doubt for the next year he's going to be hands-on on the pitch but who's to say after that they don't look to get a head coach in and have Warren Gatland as a director of rugby kind of trying to get the the regions back on side and the clubs because like there's an absolute nightmare going on with like the regions don't know their
2: budgets but at he the moment
0: was, but in fairness he I was never really lot
2: less than <laughs> <laughs> going in and, and having to like re, you know get all the regions back on side I'd, gee, I'd rather do anything but else it
0: seems to me <laughs> like that he was never able to really solve that, mm. that or did he even want to? I think well, I think he like never he was, really had yeah. to because I think it seemed like they were able to step up uh, with the quality yeah. of players that they had, and sure. with the quality of setup that he had in Wales. He was always able to step up. And maybe that's what they need. Maybe maybe that's. See, there's, there's obviously. You know, we're probably not as... You guys are probably a bit more familiar with it than most of our kind of listeners on that, but I think there's a massive divide between the old club game and the regions as they currently stand in Welsh rugby. And oftentimes, some of the clubs would have bigger turnouts than mm-hmm. some of the actual regions at games, which is, I think, because we've moved away so quickly from AIL here, and there's issues with that too, um, but our, our, our provincial game is very strong in terms of turnout, and that's really where all the support and all the, all the funds have really funneled through from the RFU. Whereas in the Welsh regions, even some of the money... Uh, still filters through towards some of the the clubs which isn't really I, I don't think that's really they a sustainable model the times at all, and like well, they have I don't think they picked the regions very well yeah. Keen. it seems like some of them were across old divides and they were mm. bringing together clubs that hated each other and different things like that I, I, I don't know if you have a view no, on any No, like that
1: I, 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 I agree with you but I just think I wonder if Warren Gatlin is coming back with a view to staying until 2027 has he not had those discussions that okay if I'm coming back you're right like he, maybe he didn't get places perfect time to bit, get a bit of change exactly it is previous time here he wasn't able to get anything out of the Welsh Union but if he's coming back in the premise that I'm here until after next year's World Cup then maybe he's been given some sort of assurances in the background that yeah okay we do need to change so it'll be interesting to see
2: mm. and the most interesting thing is that his first game will be against Ireland and Cardiff as well it's just set up absolutely perfectly I can't wait for that week but yeah we could kind of discuss these issues for quite a while but we've Big Irish manners as well, the Champions Cup, kicking off this weekend. As I mentioned earlier, Racing hosting Leinster on Saturday, Munster Toulouse, kind of the pick of the two games, really, or of the, of the kind of opening games. What are you kind of looking out for now? Obviously, Leinster's quest now, it's kind of gone from kind of going to back-to-back champions to this long period. It almost is kind of this, like, famine, this, this quest. It feels like it's been a long, long time since they've won it, and this, you know, with Lancaster leaving Sex and possibly leaving, that it, it has to be this year.
0: Yeah, I think there, there is that kind of sense of that around the place. I think, um, you know, it's very hard to get a group like this and have, you know, I think kind of guys at the peak of their powers to a certain extent. I know Sexton's not at the peak of his powers in terms of being able to back up game after game, but I think in terms of when he gets on the pitch, I haven't really seen him play better rugby than he's playing at the moment. Um, so that's the key part for him. But I think, you know, you have someone like him there, you've got Lancaster who's done a brilliant job and they just speak so highly of him. He's obviously moving on. Um to obviously Rassing, which, you know, doesn't that's an extra little bit of spice to to, to the fixture. I'm sure he'll wanna go really well and, and make sure that they think they've got the right man for next year. Um but I think it is that year for them. I think they've been too close for too close too many times and lots of disappointment, even though lots of the performances have been really, really good, um up to that key kind of one and I think that'll be really disappointing for them so yeah there is an extra bit of focus for them and an extra bit of uh, I think they'll be really determined to get something uh, out out of this season more so than than usual and I think they're capable of doing it personnel looks perfect They've they've got a few injuries I think coming into this weekend particularly around the centre um, but I think there's plenty there for them to, to go and get a big result over I uh, know it's on, not in La Défons. I think it's in another one just outside La, Arve. Is it? La Arve, is it? yeah so like, that's probably an advantage to Lenser because I think they're actually very strong in, in, uh, in that La Défons arena it looks really really good and the atmosphere is great in there so looking forward to that one yeah, obviously there's a shaky one against Ulster uh, last weekend I mean I've f- Look, you couldn't argue with the decision they got away with maybe one or two as well possibly uh, with the James Lowe one probably stands out but to come back in the way they did I mean there is belief there I mean Ulster had a bit of a collapse but um, it does kind of build itself up nicely for a big one this weekend I think they'll have got just enough of a shock from that Ulster first half um, to maybe galvanise them and, and, and pull out a big performance away from home tough place to go
2: yeah like Keane, like when you look at Leinster what are the areas that you think could trip them up this year if there are any, you know, f- when I look at it, Luke mentioned there the personnel is so strong and the kind of, there will be that galvanising factor of it being the last year for so many key guys. I think th- the lack of having won it for so long, that will play- prey on them. Like I, I do think it could be a mental thing. When you look at their defeats, they have never really delivered a good performance in any of those games. They, they came up short for whatever reason. I think it could be maybe a, a mental thing, potentially, if they do get further in the competition. Well they're not shying away from the
1: fact that this is what the season is about because for the reasons that you mentioned Stuart Lancaster even and Johnny Sexton most likely retiring and that hurt I, I, you could look at it both ways and maybe it becomes a, a mental barrier but I think they've had success. Look, most of those players have had success with Ireland as well uh, particularly this year that you know I think they'll be confident but the longer it goes on for sure it becomes a bigger issue like we've spoken about it before a couple of times um, on the podcast I don't I'm, I'm still not convinced by their depth if they get a couple of injuries in key positions that they're like are they stronger than they were last season maybe Jason Jenkins has come in and made a good start I think Charlie Natoy has looked good as well but I still like if Johnny Sexton's uh, not fit as well as Ross Byrne is playing and I think Ross Byrne is playing really really well But by the way at the moment but you know, you look at Johnny Sexton's probably out this weekend, Furlong Furlong's probably out this weekend, and you know, you'll have Alatoa Ala coming in, and he'll do a good job for you, but any team is going to miss someone like Tig Furlong. But what happens if Alatoa Ala gets injured early on? You're kind of then you're going really into your depth chart. Are you going to play, you know, a guy like Tom Clarkson, who's still very young? Or are you going to play a guy like Vak Abdeladze who whose days in Leinster are probably numbered, you'd have to imagine, given that he got capped for Georgia last month. He becomes an NIQ now. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. So um we can look at Leinster starting 15 and their first choice 23 and there's no doubt that that's, it's arguably the strongest in in Europe now. I think a couple of the South African teams, Toulouse and La Rochelle, would have something to say about that but uh, they're still reliant, I think, on a couple of players. I think you'll, you'll definitely, Ross Byrne, I would have full faith, will go to La Havre this weekend and do a job for Leinster but when you get into the knockout stages, no more than Ireland for the big games. If Johnny Sexton isn't there, I just think they're still uh, very reliant on him but they're in a good place though I would say like what is it 9 from 9 this season and I agree with Luke I think last weekend the way it played out going out 14 men so early was probably like really really good preparation they for, played terrible for... as
0: well weren't they even when they had 15 on the pitch I thought they were awful they were really so, crappy, yeah. Per, I think perfect timing yeah, for that
1: perfect timing it was a bit of a kick up the ass so mm.
0: um, complacency probably is the biggest thing with Leinster in, in my mind and I, I would agree with Keane I think there's probably a few people who got who can get very used to Leinster kind of putting in dominant performances against teams that maybe you know, I think they're in the league has certainly improved but I think some of those younger guys can be a little bit complacent and I think there's a lack of trust sometimes with those guys as well probably from people who've done it you could see that from the final last year just didn't yeah. bring on the bench and um, I think if I think Leinster have actually come on I think McCarthy is, is, is a guy that's come on I think Baird looks like he's come on a lot as well I think there's a couple of guys who've actually added a little bit and I think they'll, Leinster will trust that bench a little bit more maybe than they have in previous years Maloney is another guy who finished last season strong but I think is still playing well as well so I think Leinster are actually playing a little bit stronger. I think they've added a few guys. I think you're right, though, in, a, in certain areas. You know, you look at that centre spot now, they look a little bit thin, maybe in the back three. But I, I still think there's enough quality there when, you know, and I think they'll get different guys coming back in that make this Leinster team get stronger throughout the competition. And I think they will still be a force. And I think mentally they're they're in the right place for this one. I I feel like in previous years the complacency might have got to them. I think they, they kind of brushed teams aside all the way to kind of come into a key match against a team that's really well matched against some of their weaknesses and just couldn't couldn't perform to the level that was required or couldn't adapt in the game. Um, I think they've probably recognized those things. I feel like provided they have enough of those big guys on the pitch, I think this is the year I think they'll be able to get over the hump.
2: I think a crucial thing as well is the finals on in the Viva mm, Stadium as well. Huge, yeah. So that's why even this weekend yeah. to, to to go four from four from your games against Gloucester and Racing if you're Leinster means you, you might not have to leave yeah. Dublin for the rest of the season because you'll probably be at home in the league as well. You you might not have to fly at all other than Six Nations games. That's a, that could be a massive advantage. Spot mm. on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Couldn't couldn't agree more. And they they're well aware of that as well. They know that that they could have knockout games uh, from at home basically. So uh, yeah, and I think actually the fixture list has been kind to them. I think it's a good thing that like Racing away albeit it's in the Harv is the toughest fixture that they have between the four pool games and I think that they would want that first off because that doesn't leave any room for complacency in my mind they've had their scare last weekend against Ulster they got away with it whereas you'd imagine they'll be nailed on for it this weekend
2: Yeah and if you look at who they beat on Saturday at Ulster you know there would be been a sense that maybe they were getting closer towards a trophy but a, a damaging defeat like that do you think going into Europe their way to sail on Sunday a team that started really well in the premiership you know a big beefy pack like how unimpressed were you with, As was the manner of that defeat Considering We've seen them Against Toulouse last year Against the Stormers They conceded late as well There's been other times in the past That they kind of similarly Have kind of squandered leads Like that and lost
0: Yeah look I, I think they'll bounce back Actually I do think um, You know That will have really hurt On the weekend I think Ulster have been able to Bounce back consistently the problem is they haven't been able to be consistent, if you know what I mean. I think that's uh, that was really evident on the weekend. I was so impressed with how they started the game. I thought they were really physical. I thought Leinster looked shook by how physical the Ulster guys were and how much they dominated the contact and the tight exchanges. They just got no pay in there because Ulster were so up for it. And I looked at that pack... Now, I know Henderson mightn't be everyone's cup of tea at six, but I think against Leinster, I really liked the idea of coming at them there. I thought it kind of fit into that La Rochelle type mindset that they were going to certainly take them on physically. And I thought that's how it played out, actually, until Leinster got their act together at half halftime. Um, but I just feel like there was key moments again. I mean, you think about their history with Leinster, um, you know, the Stockdale incident where he drops the ball over the line and Ross Byrne like, just has the big moment where he kicks it. Ulster just haven't had those big moments against Leinster in the really big games where it really mattered and I thought that was another one the weekend the the line-out just before half-time Going up to compete like five minutes, just just hold Leinster like you should. You have an extra number on the pitch, so it means that whether whether you're giving one up or whether the Leinster are giving one up on the back line which means you can hedge it a little bit more, it means you can you can really try and stop that maul at source. I, that would have been the thing that I would have done, and it means on your line you got an extra number. You can be really really physical there, and they and they had been. And Leinster hadn't had much pay when they were trying to pay or sorry trying to play in the first half. Um. I just thought that was a crazy risky decision to send someone up at two and then they got mauled over really easily. And that really set the tone. I thought that gave Leinster a big lift going in at half time. And, and it's mistakes like that. It seems small in the grand scheme. But I felt like, you know, they felt like, oh, we're so far ahead, we can take a chance here. But that's when you really stick the knife in. You let Leinster go in. It was a 22 3 it would have been. Or maybe it was, well, I'm not sure if you 22 3, yeah. 22 3, they would have gone in at half time versus 22 10. is a very different picture. And all Leinster really had to do then was hang on to the ball in the second half because Ulster just looked a def- inflated, and I just think that was a... Their moments, Ulster have had too many of those moments where they just... You know, they just fall asleep or they make it, they take a, a stupid chance when really you just play the percentages there and just go in at half time. Like if you give away a penalty or something, 22 6 is very different to 22 10, and plus the lift that gave the Leinster pack. Um, so I was really disappointed with that. I was really disappointed that they couldn't even get, you know, they, they only really got a consolation try in the end for a bonus point, um, which I
2: just thought was really, really disappointing given how long they had an extra man on the pitch for as well. See the 35 unanswered points. And Keen, you were saying before we went on air that. Some of Andy Farrell's decisions over November probably vindicated given yeah. that Ulster had a lot of those lads playing. You know, James Hume was one guy you mentioned, a few other guys in the team that you know didn't feature that much for Arden in November but didn't really stand up in that second half when they were crying out for some one of their big men to do something.
1: Yeah, I like I agree with Luke. I think um, that decision to challenge for the line-out, which was so naive, particularly with someone like Ian Henderson back in the team, you know, who's like one of Ireland's they had a main big, heavy leaders. pack. I'd yeah. say they would have
0: been really hard to push over if you have eight guys ready for it.
1: Yeah, it, to me, was indicative of really poor game management in the second half as well. I know that was at the end of the first half, but it really carried on. Uh, their their work around the breakdown was shocking in the second half. Leinster just pulverized them, but the lack of control from the halfbacks now, albeit that the pack was being beaten up, but I just thought it was alarming. Um, there's been a lot of calls for Nathan Doak to, you know, get a shot with Ireland, but I think we probably saw why he hasn't been brought in yet. He's still got a lot to learn. I think he's he was shown how inexperienced he was. And then outside of him, Billy Burns. Um, I know he seemed to pick up uh, an injury in the first half, but God, like when you want big players to stand up and take control of a game away from home with a young scrum half, like John Cooney going off was a massive loss, clearly. You want your out half to take control, and he was just nowhere to be seen, I think. So that is a big issue for them as well going forward. I think... Um, they rely too much on Cooney when it comes to half-back because Hooney, Cooney more often than not plays the role of a scrum half and an out-half because he runs the show almost like a French nine does. So uh, I think out-half is a big issue for them, particularly going into Europe. And Luke mentions, you know, their ability to bounce back. But the reason they're bouncing back is because they're, they're, they're losing games. Like, that's a game they should have won, really. So, um, yeah, I think I thought it was indicative of the soft underbelly, I think. I know Ulster fans will, will really hate to hear that. And I think Dan McFarlane has done an unbelievable job in kind of turning that around. But I mean, it still exists. Year five for Dan McFarland. Mm-hmm. I
2: agree. Like I don't. I think you ask any Irish rugby fan, they'd be like, "Oh, he's a really good coach. He's doing a really good job." But it's just frustrating. Then you know, when you yeah. see these kind of collapses happen, because on paper he, he does seem to have done so much right. Like they have a good squad, but then there's just these matches where they have the control wrestled away from them. And you know, you think back to the URC
1: last season as well, over in South Africa. That was another game they should have won as well and lost it late. So like that bo- was a terrible TMO decision, friends. <laughs> yeah, but like, After
2: but, the game, he was like, "In my personal record book, we've won this match." Yeah. Unfortunately, it doesn't yeah, yeah. work like that. But. but
1: they're, they're games that they should be winning and you know they're, they're a team that's coming close but I still think for them to win Silverware they're still a good bit to go they might be getting close but to beat the very best teams I think they're
0: still still off it in my opinion so. we had a bit of a go at Billy Burns last. like I, I, I've had a few goals. I, I just don't think we? he's that's we like sorry <laughs> sorry on the podcast you're part of it now Um no but I, I think I just think I can't think of a team that's won the Heineken Cup that doesn't really have a, a top quality out half. And if, if if there is one, someone might probably tell me there is one. Um I think it's Joe it's, it's the exception. It's the exception, I think, you know. I, I generally IOS feel like... You, season, you think right? if, like iOS last season? Uh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, he's, he was geez, he was brilliant he against Lancer, yeah. You know what I mean? He, 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 he turned up when, yeah. when, when, when he needed to, you know. Yeah. And I think it probably is the exception. You think of all the great teams, you know, sure, you've got, yeah. you know, Farrell, you've got Sexton, you've got those people who've kind of dominated over the years, you know, and I just feel like he's just not the guy. He doesn't have the personality for it. From, in my mind, I just, I can't remember a big game where... You know he's been consistently brilliant. Where I've gone, Do you know what he was so solid there. He really guided them through that. He put them, you know, a, a killer kick at a killer moment into in you know into the corner that got the pack going forward. Or even from a defensive perspective, you just feel like he's just a bit of a liability. I know he doesn't miss many tackles and he's got good heart, but he's never going to be physical there for you. Um, and just from a ball playing perspective. I think he's got a lovely short kicking game, but really, you know, for for you to be a really great ten, I think you've gotta have you've got to be a great ball player. And it's one thing about Ohio West, he is a great ball player. Whatever about is kicking, you know, you have to be consistent there and I just feel like you know, he, he isn't. And, and and he's a problem for, for Ulster. I hate saying it. Apparently, he's a really great guy. And he, I'm sure he's good to have around the set But as a player, I just don't feel like he's got the personality to, to take a team all the way in a big competition. And that's a personal belief I have. I hope I'm wrong on that. Because, as I said, I've heard great things about him personally. And obviously, he's capped the team a bit. But, mm. look, I've got to call it like, like I see it from a rugby perspective. And, and that's just what I believe looking at him.
2: And a very tough draw as well. Sail away. La Rochelle at home their first two games. So... You know, they, they kind of need a big one you know would you, you almost fancy them maybe to go to Salem win rather than uh, beat La Rochelle given they're the reigning champions but it are be very interesting to see how they go this weekend Munster start off with an absolute blockbuster Thoman Park uh, on Sunday against Toulouse and we were talking about this air as well. Like, I don't think anyone's saying Munster are back. Like the, you know, the the attack is perfect. The t- the coaching staff have gotten everything right. But you know, as I, like I said last week, I thought the, the porky Corky game could maybe be a galvanising match for them, and that was so crucial that they won in Edinburgh. Given that you know that was the kind of a team they will be they'll be competing with at the end of the season. I think they're in a really good place going into this weekend. I'm kind of like part of me thinks. Like, will Toulouse just go out and win well? And I'll be like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have kind of bought too much into it. But I could also see Munster turning them over. They're they are, Their record at Tom Park is very good. Toulouse haven't betted in the... Like, the last time they would have played as a full team would have been before November as well, whereas Munster, I didn't think, quite has as much disruption. How are you looking at Munster going into Europe now?
1: I think if they haven't turned a corner they're very close to being around that corner um, yeah like I, I agree with you I think that South Africa game we spoke about it on last week's podcast was huge and I think we saw more evidence of that um, within the game plan tactically as well in Edinburgh because that, that was a game, I think, particularly how well Edinburgh started Edinburgh started, and how poor Munster started. I think that's a game that they probably would have lost earlier in the season. But, I mean, the ability to, to fight back from the way they did, I think, comes from belief, not only within each other, but belief in what they're trying to do. And again... You know, I made this point last week that I think Munster supporters will be happy to see they're, they're not going to expect to win every week but if they see uh, a commitment to changing or altering the game plan playing more expansively but remembering kind of their DNA and seeing the young players trusted I don't think Munster plans would have a problem with a, with a season like that and seeing where it goes obviously with the view to building then for the next couple of seasons I think we saw that again in Edinburgh um, I think guys like Calvin Nash Shane Daly played really well and they're guys who probably would have been binned off under Johan van Graan if we're being honest but they're being trusted in the big games. Like Conor Murray, it sounds like, is going to be back fit for this weekend. But, again, it'll obviously depend on how he trains, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Craig Casey starting against Toulouse. I thought he had a good game in Edinburgh. Um, but, again, in the previous year, Conor Murray would have waltzed back in, even if he was 75% fit, because that's the way it worked. So I think, I think and I hope things are different now under Roundtree. Um, and certainly within the game plan, we saw more signs of that. Um, like... I, we mentioned him as well last week but Antoine Frisch just makes a massive Not difference yeah, it's just, for it's, it's it's just nice, beautiful yeah, nice. like, he does the simple things so so well like that pass to Rory Scannell's try was just sensational uh, great line by Scannell as well um, and with the pack played well and you have Joey Carbery playing with a little bit of a swagger as well like I haven't seen him playing as flat to the line like that and actually causing the defence problems in quite a while so there's a lot of things that are falling into place for Munster I would I would Qualify that by saying that they're still a long way from being the Finnish article and I don't think anyone thinks that they are. Toulouse coming to Tomah Park have the potential to bring him crashing back down to earth. I don't think they will actually, to be honest. I do think they're in a good place. Um, you were making the point earlier, Will, that, you know it kind of got overlooked how many players months were missing at the start of the season. Their squad got decimated by the Emerging Ireland Tour by players like, you know, Calvin Nash, uh, Shane Daly, Roman Salanoa, who have hev- been heavily involved over the Antoine last few Antoine Frisch. Yeah. Antoine Frisch, another guy, yeah, and he came back and picked up an injury. So there's certain things are starting to fall into place and I think they're starting to trust more what they're doing and it's very encouraging because I think one of the big criticisms that I would have had under Johan Van Gran and Stephen Larkin was that, you know, one week, you know, you saw a really like expansive game plan. You thought, wow, like this is is this the new Munster? And then the next week, when the, when the going got tough, they reverted to type. And I don't think they've done that yet this season. They're not going away from the mall, which is a big strength of theirs. I think the scrum is is definitely an issue, and that's a a big area where Toulouse will go after them this weekend. But they're remembering what they what they do well by also but also adding I think little things to the game plan. And I think it's hugely
2: encouraging. Yeah, they played to lose twice during COVID and obviously the famous penalty shootout last year. But then even the one they played in the last 16, I think, in 2021, it, there was no fans in Tone Park and they ended up losing. But they, they played a lot of good rugby in that first half DLN they was you know running riot. How do you think they'll get on? Like, Have you been impressed with them the last couple of weeks? I know you watched the Edinburgh game. Like, What's your kind of reading them at the moment?
0: Yeah, look, I think... Um I think I probably agree with Keane. I think that there's certainly been some progress, uh, which is very pleasing. I think the squad has been decimated with injuries. I mean, think of the back three alone. Some real experience and quality missing out of that. at Zeebo as well. I mean, because like, I think he be, he's the kind of guy who could be brilliant for this team. He could kind of help relax. And he trusts he, he only knows one way to play. We saw some lovely stuff from him against Ulster as well. Like, there's still a spark with him. So I think it's disappointing that he's kind of been so injury-prone since he's come back because he could be a big player for them. Um, I think from, from, from a... A pack perspective, yeah, I think they've they looked a lot better. I think they'll still struggle at scrum, we, but we knew that coming into the season anyway. They're like, I think, look, John Ryan's back, that helps. What a
1: blessing that was. Like, I mean, if they it, didn't it have John a Ryan, be and he's big supposed trouble. to leave in December, in, in, is it this month he's supposed to leave? I think so. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what to, happens. they, they have, have to, to, sign him, to nail yeah, him down. It, it just shows what city decision it was to leave him go in the first place. Uh, uh, yeah,
0: well, I think they've had lots of, it. like, you hear lots of different things. It's probably not the place to get into it, but I'm not sure how well they've done in terms of contracts and how they, how uh they, the structure of some of the contract so I think they're probably trying to get some of those things run off and all that there was loads of issues behind the scenes that you hear not to get into it but I think you know it sounds like they're trying to resolve a bit of that it'll probably take a little bit of time um in terms of this weekend you know Munster will be difficult to play at home always and I think Toulouse uh, you know while they're brilliant and they've lots of quality and they will be a big pack and they'll, they'll I'm sure they'll attack them at scrum time um I don't think they have an unbelievably good record over the years there anyway. You know, I think it's still a really difficult place for even a star sort of team to go. Um, As you say, I think there's a feel-good factor around Munster now, which is great. They'll take a lot of heart. I mean, that was a really bad start against Edinburgh. And I think even the the likes of... You mentioned Joey Carberry. I've been pretty critical of Joey Carberry at 10. I thought he responded unbelievably well after he threw that intercept pass Mm. to Darcy on the weekend. And that was really pleasing. And as you say, I like that position. He was brave standing on the line. Still had some issues in my mind at 10 but I, that was really positive and I think the team looked like they're confident around him as well um, and as you say things like Scannell taking that short line off they're things that they're small things that you add to the game but they come from confidence and they come from confidence in the guys around you and you start running better lines you know you, you start you know I, I think lots of good things can happen around guys like um, Fritch and like uh, when Carberry's playing well so I think this team is positioned well to play well and I think they get stronger as guys come back into the squad who've been injured over the course of the season too so Munster in a decent place
2: yeah and a key thing is uh, Toulouse getting Antoine DuPont off his last match of the band like that was, that's a massive you know win by the, the Toulouse lawyers or the French lawyers who got him in because he'd be you know, a huge loss for Toulouse obviously but
1: yeah just don't tell Rassi or you'll get a, a video
2: yeah yeah but uh, a key player for Toulouse for sure and in terms in terms of other championship talking points like the South Africans are in keen like i know we'll see how they go of course the season like in terms of if it's going to be a success or not but apparently already in France there's murmurings that they're not happy that they're involved like what's your view on and them being added to the European Cup, like it's no longer the European Cup I technically. But like, you know, do, do you have a strong feeling on it one way or the other? Are you happy to wait and see? I keep having to check myself when I'm writing it in
1: copy. Like, are we still calling it the European the Cup? Like, Cup. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that is a genuine question. Yeah. It's not really the European Cup anymore, like, is it? The, I know it's all the coaches are still calling it, but it's it's not like with the South African teams in it. Uh, look, I, I like I've been really encouraged by the the difference they've made to the URC. What I would say is. The URC, the Pro 14, whatever we're calling it, uh, was crying out for a little bit more quality. I don't necessarily think the same way about the Champions Cup. Uh, I think the Champions Cup was pretty good the way it was but it'll be interesting to see how they how they get on the travel
2: is going to be obviously the big the big issue um because it, it's been very rare that a team has had to go to south africa and come back and play you know with the same squad the following week in a key game i don't know if that's really happened it'll at be all. a big
0: see that's probably the big thing for the franchise. they probably haven't had to do that you know that like, in a way like that's probably their big their big concern with it because i think like there's no way that you couldn't you wouldn't want better teams to be involved in. like i think yes the competition is fairly stacked but i still think there's room for more uh, better quality and i
2: but you know like oh, the european cup should be the European teams no or?
0: I don't know I probably would have thought the same thing about the league and like I think that's been really positive for the, for, for the league and I think as well I think you know I haven't spoken to to Brian Abana. I think they're keen to be more involved in possibly the Six Nations as well going forward just so you can kind of line up the seasons whether that happens or not we don't know but i just think this is probably another move in that direction and i think you know the time difference all that kind stuff. it suits them to play in the competition too and i think it adds value because i think they're really good teams and south africa is a great place to go and play a rugby so i think it does add value there'll be great experiences for the players and the and the fans who go and watch it and i think it's another thing for us to discuss as well it's another interesting permutation to the competition so uh, we'll see how far they get in it that'll be interesting too it, they could go far I mean like they're stacked
1: full of quality like and um, the thing is like you mentioned the fans there I would be very curious to see how much the fans the South African fans will buy into the, the Champions Cup like the attendances have been a bit mixed I think it's fair to say mm. in the URC but what happens when you know a big French team goes over to Africa are,
2: are they going to like have way bigger attendances. It's going to be very or interesting. Like, but the, the thing about Europe that's so great is, say, okay, maybe not in La Havre this weekend, but if that was in Paris or the Gloucester Leinster game, I know a few people are going over to mm. that. Like, There's not going to be Leinster. Yeah. Well, now the Irish teams yeah. aren't able to play them because the, the way the draw yeah. works, you can't play teams in your own league. But like, are, are Queens fans going to fly over this weekend to Durban to watch that, the Sharks play? I'd be very surprised. And that's a key element of. The success of the European Cup is—it's been able to kind of—it's so accessible. It's not like a Champions League game where it's do, like do, impossible I, to get I, tickets. Like. Do, you,
0: do you think that that is going to be the case, though? I mean, so this is a perfect time of the year to go to South Africa for a holiday, and it's cheap as chips. it's a well, to
2: fly there, though. It's not that cheap. No, no it's not. But once yeah. you get
0: off the flight, your, everything's everything's really great value for everyone in Europe. There, I mean, the I think it's the rand is—I don't know what it is—like fifteen or sixteen to whatever your well to the euro or something like that. Anyway, so it's a real cheap place to go. I would be surprised if you don't get a few people from those clubs going. Do you know what? Let's go down for let's go down for five or. Six Six days. Let's go to wine country. There's loads of really great things to do, and it's cheap once you get down there. The flights, I know, will be expensive, but but it's very uh, like a, w- a
2: weekend trip is what it's you know or a night away rather than like you don't know, you shouldn't have to like take a week off to go. No, but to you, maybe you
0: don't. Maybe you do five days, and you don't have a big. You, you see, the thing is, we're going to South Africa. You don't have a massive big time difference to come back, and it doesn't whack you in the way home. You know what I mean? So like you can kind of actually integrate in pretty quickly. So I, I feel like maybe we should just hold off on that for a second. I mean, of course, we discussed yeah. it, but I just think I I I, I wouldn't rule out people saying, do you know what, that could be a great mm-hmm. little break in the winter uh, to to go down watch catch some rugby get a bit of sunshine and have a look around a beautiful country I I, I think it could be a great place to go now will they have will they they travel in droves I think you're probably right but I think you will still get a few going over
2: yeah I'll be really interested to see as you said from a rugby perspective because like I'll be interested to see how the French and English teams get on going down there because realistically, like a lot of the teams that have gone down in the URC matches, and have been comprehensively beaten. You know they're not in this competition. Well, you know, there's, there's a one Welsh side, one Scottish side. You know, no Italians. So I'll be interested Harlequins, for instance, this weekend. Like uh, they're they're pretty big underdogs in the bookies, but I expect them to go and win because the quality they have. But I'll be interested to see how French and English sides navigate that
1: yeah I wouldn't be I wouldn't be so confident particularly about Quinns going down there I know the Sharks have absolutely had a lot of upheaval Sean Everett has left and like it was really like, to
2: lose 35-0 at home to Cardiff I think that's the most shocking rugby result I've ever seen in my life. Yeah,
1: yeah but like, they'll have like you'd imagine Khaleesi and a lot of the, the big yeah. guns back and that is a key thing in all this as well like if the Springboks players which you imagine they will be are playing in the Champions Cup then that adds another layer to it as well and you've got like the altitude obviously factored in when you're going down to South Africa as well so it's not going to be easy for teams like that and a team like Harlequin like we, I mentioned it earlier they haven't translated their success by winning the Premiership was last season or pre- season before last into Europe but also I think teams like that are going are gonna to find it very very difficult at least the Irish provinces I know like you mentioned they're not directly playing them yet anyway until it gets to the knockout stages but that experience could be crucial when it comes down to it even in terms of logistics you know logistics managers um, S&C guys just managing that kind of thing that's going to be an, an altogether different challenge to French and English clubs that they're not going to be used to so uh, I wouldn't be too too as confident that they'll they'll find it easy under.
2: Yeah, I don't think they'll find it easy. I, I just I am intrigued to see if it's as easy for the South African sides. So I think that you know their record not maybe as good this year, but their record last year they only lost one or two games until Africa crossed of the four teams. So and like even Ulster went there earlier this year with Glasgow, and they both got like you know viruses and ended up. Canceling the games and you know if anything like that happens, that's
1: a big that's a big concern. Yeah. Didn't happen. To the Ospreys last yeah. weekend as well, which they just about scraped together a match day squad. So
2: like that if, is if, a if that happens, I could see the French kicking up a fuss and the South Africans oh. are gone. Like you know, we, it was funny. <laughs> we
1: were in a, we had a press conference last week uh, with Leo Cullen, um and he brought up the Montpellier thing again like that still that killed him that, I saw, I saw oh the quote.
2: <laughs> and he's like I don't think we got to the bottom of that, <laughs> did we huh he wants the journalists in the room to go out and like be hunting it down what, 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 what's the interview what is it, like, who is he blaming? Is, is it the organisers well, is it like the French Lentier,
1: Lentier felt wronged because yeah. they had a squad who had tested negative that they were ready to play Montpellier and obviously Montpellier I think it was because it was Montpellier a team what did they end up beating them at the, at the RDS the like, lady, like, I, I, I'm not sure it
0: was, I think it was but wasn't there another team So I can't remember who it was was Off the top of my head, there was was another team that were allowed to play, but had you know a similar amount of numbers out. uh, Mm. But they were all the 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 guys that they had, for whatever reason, the guys that they had available were deemed okay to play, even though there was a same number of people in the squad that had um that had COVID. And I think that was the real disappointment that they felt like it wasn't fair treatment. If memory serves me, I think that's what it was, and that's probably why there's that sense of injustice. Plus. The loss obviously really hit them when it came to kind of key you know those kind of key moments where they were kind of saying well where are we playing our 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 qualifying matches you know and and
1: like we said at the very start of this conversation it like given that they could play in dublin from you know if they get through to knockout stages it would hurt them even more if a cancellation like that and i'm not even talking about covid but if it was like picking up one of those bugs down in south africa like i i would i would fear for leo cullen if that happens because fear he, for everyone else he, he would he would self-combust <laughs> yeah. if that happened i think i like i think it's been good crack like listening to him it just you know he, he doesn't really show his emotions that too often but that really really annoyed oh, him they were, and I, still uh, does i think i
0: met i, I don't know who i met about I met one of the lads in like the local shop because i live quite close to the, there's like a spar where It's really close to the changing uh, or to the where they train. I think I met. I'm not going to say who it was, but it was a senior person there in the shop, <laughs> and they were absolutely livid. <laughs> no, it wasn't him. Actually, no, no, he's a different spot now. But it was. I, I remember thinking where wow, they are if he's if he's saying and usually he's yeah. quite stung with me knowing obviously that i'm doing stuff in the media um and uh, he was like not hiding it at all like very strongly <laughs> worded going that's an absolute disgrace or whatever but uh you could kind of see his point i think we argued it, we actually i might have argued for it at the time as well because um it did impact them uh, it, you know they were hurt by it and um as you say still still gets uh, still irksome
1: it adds fuel I think to this season yeah. in, in the whole mix of you know coming up short which obviously their own doing they were beaten by Larochelle in the final fair and square but it, the whole thing I think just adds to the mix for Leinster fuel and their fire for this year
2: well fingers crossed there's no cancellations generally because the last two years it's mm-hmm. been kind of the, you know I think Toulouse got hit by it as well and they ended up having in a, a few away yeah. games as well so like yeah, hopefully we can get through a full season finally after a couple of years. You know, in terms of other talking points, I'm really interested to see Saracens back in the mix. Like, we've kind of forgotten about the Leinster-Saracens rivalry because La Rochelle and Leinster has been so good the last few years, but I'd love to see Leinster come up against them again if they, if they both progress through the competition.
0: You're really looking for them to settle a few scores this year, well, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, uh, no, I think uh, that will be a grudge match, and I think look, I haven't watched a huge amount of Saracens this year. We just nine just, from nine as well as Lancer. It's yeah. just not, it's just not possible to watch them. But I think uh, look, there's still quality there. Clearly, I've I've seen a few clips of tries and things like that, so uh, they're clearly going well. Um, I think that was a ma- that, was, that had a massive impact, not just on them, but, but I don't think English rugby. I don't think the English rugby team has even played that well since Saracens, you know, had that big fine, had to go down to, um, you know, the the uh, the first division, um, sorry, championship. Excuse me. And I think um, good to see them back at the top table. Like they still are a top club. They've got top players. They have that winning culture. Um, still in there somewhere, I'm sure. And anyone who comes up against them, it'll be a, a seriously tough task. So, uh, yeah, it would be great to see someone like Leinster maybe get in there and maybe settle that score. Um, but yeah, we wait and see on that. Hopefully, they do progress further in the competition.
2: Yeah, can anyone you're particularly interested to see
1: be it starts than anybody else? Uh, Rochelle mm. I think. I mean, it's it's the obvious one. But I mean, Lan has gone over there now, and I was actually just um, having a look at his appearances um, for a piece I'm doing in tomorrow's paper. On he's a bench for the every yeah, game, but, right? yeah. But he's, his starts mostly have come in the back row, which mm. I think. Is interesting. It's a kind of you know we talk Great about, athlete. Yeah, he's a super athlete, but we talked about Ian Henderson playing six, and Ryan Baird looks like he mm-hmm. has a home now in the back row. So um you see Ronagara has just signed a new contract till 2027. Uh, so he played that really well by turning down England. Um but yeah, like I'm I'm fascinated. You know, Donica Ryan, his second season in there, is he going to have more of a say? Um are they gonna be able to build on you know what they did last season? Like the scenes from them winning the Champions Cup last season. I know it obviously stung Leinster and Leinster fans, but it was incredible to see a club like that uh, do well so I'll be fascinated to see if they back it up obviously they're playing Ulster as well which kind of adds to the the intrigue so yeah I think I'm looking for embers. there's a few other kind of Irish dotted around I mean James Cronin's been going really well for Leicester what's going to happen Leicester now if Steve, B- Steve Borthwick ups, ups and leave um, so yeah look there's plenty plenty to look forward to Noel McNamara with the Sharks so like obviously all our focus is generally on the Irish promises but I do enjoy kind of keeping tabs of the the Irish guys who are dotted around the place see how they get digging on as well
2: it's one of my favourite competitions I know like the, the format is kind of a bit of a you know it's a bit annoying to kind of the two pools and everyone's playing different teams but like even though as much and I love November but like there's something about the Champions Cup that I've always I've always really enjoyed almost more than Six Nations, almost. I'd actually go that. It's, far.
0: A, it's a brilliant competition. Like, uh, even like, I,
2: I I agree with you. I'm not. I'm sure definitely that, in the minority. I think with that, but I. I I'm not
0: sure you are. I actually, I promise you, I don't think you are. I think there's loads of people that had so much fun going to all the games. They're a little bit cheaper generally than an international, so it's more accessible. Uh, they're still brilliant quality games, and oftentimes with like league or with uh, with club games, the quality of rugby is often better because the guys are with each other for the whole season versus international. The first couple of games in the competitions generally kind of cagey you know there's a lot on the line you don't play with the, the guys we, we quite as good either, like. yeah, but they aren't not that, but like well there's a bit of that but I think defense is the, is the most, is the easiest thing to get organized quickly when you come into an international setup so generally that's why the first couple of games are usually a little bit more turgid but towards the end of say the Six Nations weather improves as well but also the teams are together longer so the attack starts you know kind of being in better shape I think and they can start picking people apart when they get used to the combinations. so this competition doesn't really have that with the clubs you can get you know all usually all the best players are kind of nearly rested before they come into this so they're kind of primed and ready for a big performance and again they're used to that game plan Um, and they're used to playing with these guys week in week out so the quality of rugby I think is always really really high great to see you know the different because you usually get a few stars from a few different places you know from the northern hemisphere we obviously have a few of them in the competition now playing for south africa but usually if it is, it's there's a kind of few stars sort of guys, your colby's and these guys and um, over the years that have really lit up the competition and um, so I, I love it i think it's a brilliant competition not sure they got the pools right same as yourself i'm, I'm pretty sure that's probably the part you're talking about um but there's loads of love about a, a big european weekend and when, once you get to the qualifying stages I mean they were unbelievable matches last year I know Leinster lost in the last play of the game but even that monster when we mentioned the kicks at the end like tough way to go out but um, I have to say unbelievably enjoyable for the fans
2: yeah came from a media perspective obviously Six Nations and Internationals is still a king but like how do you feel like the Champions Cup kind of penetrates in terms of you know into the I could definitely see, I,
1: I, I agree, I think there's a lot of fans would support it. And a lot of it is down to, I don't want to go down to another rabbit hole here, but a lot of it is down to ticket prices as well. So, like, there's a lot of people in Limerick and Cork who, if they want to go to a Six Nations game, they need to remortgage the house. And that's just for the match If they tickets. can even get tickets. That, that's what I mean. And, that, yeah, and that's boom. before you, you even think of travel and food and potentially accommodation. So, uh, yeah, like I said, personally, I know a lot of people who much prefer going to a Munster game at the weekend in Toma Park, out for a few points and, and whatnot, um, because it's just so expensive to come up to Dublin it's different obviously for Leinster fans who are, who are living here so that is definitely an issue and there is a romanticism about the Heineken Cup isn't there mm. you know you think about all the special days that Leinster Munster and Ulster have had over the years and he, like you said Luke even though they lost in that you know game against Toulouse like that was just such an Brilliant game. incredible day mm. I was over in Welford Road that day so oh, I, wish really? and I was at the wrong game yeah, the atmosphere of <laughs> that
2: Munster-Toulouse like game you, was one of the best atmospheres you think like,
1: about Zombie yeah. like you know everyone has seen the video and like anyone who was lucky enough to be there just looked like proper Spine tingling. Like, meanwhile, we were over in Welford Road watching Lancer do a number on the, the Premiership Champions So, there are all these fascinating subplots, and even with the South Africans now, you'd imagine there's going to be even more. So, I agree. Like, I think it's an absolutely brilliant tournament. I can't wait to see how it Yeah, on. and the
2: away days are, like it brings you to different places. Like, obviously, your, your Twickenhams are good, and you know, yeah, yeah. your Stade of France are good, but like some of these other grounds. <laughs> I'm ground going for. to Northampton next week for the
1: first time, so um, for Munster Northampton. So, that'll be interesting. So, it's not quite as glamorous, like you said. It's as not Munster.
0: like you're Toulouse. You're not or, in the square yeah, in Toulouse yeah, sipping the, a coffee.
2: Yeah. The cast and the president comes in with a cheese board. Was that, <laughs> you yeah. that
1: was in Cast, cast last year. Yeah. yeah, president comes in, shakes all her hand, wine and beer. This is before the match where you can get started. I was like, wondering so. there was a bit of a dodgy <laughs> report after that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what but, game you were watching. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's, but it, like, it's great to get around and experience those Ooh. kind of places. Like, when are you ever going to get to like Cast? If it, like, yeah, if yeah, Roki yeah. didn't bring you, you're never going to get there. Yeah. Like, so it is absolutely brilliant. And fans do travel to those places. It probably goes back to the point you were making will about you know will they travel in the same way to South Africa? Because like monster fans that night in Cast were there in their hundreds as well. So, so uh, yes yeah, I, I love it. I
2: love the Champions Cup. Maybe prediction time now. Uh, go to you first, Luke. Do you think Leinster will win it this year? Who, who do you fancy if not them? Oh, if not them? No, you don't fancy? Like,
0: uh, you. Okay, I, I think yeah, I think Leinster will do it this year. I think. Um, I mean, they were so close last year, and they played terribly in the final. I think it's. I think it's their year. I think. Um, look, you have to have a few key guys. Uh, fit but every team has to have a few of their key guys fit there's very few people who'd be able to lose a johnny Sexton and then be able to uh you know and not be impacted by it DuPont for you know to lose be an example of that or farrell for saracen so i think uh leinster have enough i think there's the hurt there i think they've got the kind of culmination of the lancaster era i think everything kind of works for them in terms of being i think switched on for the whole competition i think they there's no complacency this year i think they they play their best rugby and they go the whole the whole hog
2: yeah i feel like a bit of a numpty because i I thought they're going to win every year, and they haven't won, <laughs> they haven't won it in the last five years. But yeah, I just think you know the Aviva Stadium. I can just I can just picture it either being La Rochelle or Sarsons as well standing in the way, and you have the narratives of the previous defeats. And I do think they'll win, but wouldn't have said it with as much confidence as in the other years. Where like you know, going to that La Rochelle game, I was. You know, I really thought they were going to win that as well, and they didn't. I, so. was,
1: I was just thinking the de- sense of deja vu was very strong there. I feel like we've had we have. I think I said nearly <laughs> yeah. the exact same yeah. conversation last word, year. I I
0: think. Oh, next year to the i I've given a earth. really similar answer. <laughs> I felt like I was like, why are you myself <laughs> here? But I do. The guys in the pack as well, like they're they're humming, like they're yeah. really humming. Like Porter, well, like what a player! It, you could have said this every year. I know, but I just feel like even Doris, I even like Josh, they haven't got that last game right, like it's just a big one they haven't and, and like they were so close even though how even if you think of how badly they played against La Rochelle uh they it still took the last the but last does, gasp but like, does
2: that not show you how much they got wrong in the sense that if they, if they how close they were playing badly if they if they'd actually got but it no right. my point
0: was that I think they'll I think they there's no I think they'll have figured it out I think they'll uh, they'll have looked really hard at those uh, at those games and I think they won't get unstuck against a team like a team like that at a key point again I just feel like there's just there's, there's, uh, there's too much quality for this to be like a mental block for them. I think it's, it's, it is. If it happened again, it'd be something you'd be saying. You'd be kind of worried. You'd be like Ulster, kind of going, Jesus, this, there's, there's a trend here. But, but I don't think so. I think they get it right this year. And um, yeah, no, I think this is. I just, I have a feeling about this year that they get it right. This is ground dog Day. I'd it like is Bill Murray <laughs> smashing the clock. Like no, I <laughs> like Jenkins. I like Jenkins being there. look. i as much as I'm not sure about signing that. And how good it is for Irish rugby. Uh, I like Baird in. I just think they've got. I think McCarthy is another guy who's who's coming along, and they speak really highly of him. I think they have enough muscle in there this year. I think to, to withstand the pressure. Kane.
1: Uh Yeah, I think Leinster are deserving favourites, but. I wouldn't be surprised, yeah, if, if if we see a French club winning it. Like, I mean, we see how good, how good of a spot French rugby is in at the moment. Um, I think it will be tough for La Rochelle to, to back up what they did last season. They're going to have a target on their backs now. The element of surprise is definitely going to be taken out of it. I'd be very curious to see, or interested to see how Toulouse get on this weekend in terms of how they play. If they play well and they click, I think Toulouse will be will be there thereabouts. But um, Do you
0: Lens, think they make a statement if they win this one? Yeah, team? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like
1: I mean, I agree with I agree with what you were saying. Will like they've kind of you know they've been trying to get everyone back in together but if they gel like their squad mm. is
2: unbelievably strong it's probably strong. the closest squad to, to Lancers in terms of the depth for sure, yeah. Yeah. No. No. So I
1: wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they end up winning it but like you said for all the reasons that we discussed the Lancaster section factor and it being in Dublin is absolutely massive so uh, it's all set up for Leinster but I wouldn't be overly confident
2: Hmm. So you've kind of you haven't really given a prediction
1: there.
0: <laughs> so
2: you're Leinster. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. who would have thought three Leinster predictions? The <laughs> oh, Champions so you were Cup. Leinster too? Is this? Yeah, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: At least we have you on, on the record there.
2: I'm Leinster slash Toulouse. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah
0: well.
2: as long as we get like a Leinster-Larishel, leinster Sarsis final, we get that week of the narrative <laughs> yeah, yeah. building up to through it. That that's what I want most of all. But for now, Keen, Luke, thanks so much for joining me. It's going up to be a great year of Champions Cup rugby. Until next time, thanks so much for joining us on the Left Wing Podcast, and goodbye. This is an Irish independent podcast.